Hey friends, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this message today. Everything that the Lord shows me is designed to impact people's lives and advance the kingdom in a mighty way. My prayer is that you would be so blessed and so rooted and so established in the more that the Lord has in store for your life. And remember, stay fired up! The title of my message this morning for Sunday, December 18th, 2016 is the supernatural setup. The supernatural setup. And we're specifically going to be talking about Joseph and Mary as parents, Jesus' earthly parents, which is a setup for next week. We will be having both services and celebrating Jesus' birthday next week. So be here. The kids are going to be singing. It's going to be awesome. Coffee and pastries are going to be here. We're going to have a great time as a family. Okay? But for me, I want to bring a, a, a message that's, that relates to the birth of Jesus that is also pertinent to our lives and what God's doing in this church. How many Christmas services have we all been to? How many Christmas messages have we heard? And I'm going to preach a lot of Christmas messages for the rest of my life, God willing. Okay? So today, what I specifically want to do is I want to show you how Joseph and Mary were positioned and prepared for what God wanted to do and set us up for next week. I'm really big and into spiritual parenting. So when I think about the message of Jesus' birth, I think to myself, why did God choose Joseph and Mary? And how did this happen? Certainly they asked the question to themselves, how did this happen? And a lot of other people ask themselves, how did this happen? A virgin got pregnant? People in society at that day doubted and didn't believe. In fact, you don't hear much talked about it after the event happened. That prophecy was fulfilled. Not, you didn't hear the Pharisees and the Sadducees continuously being reminded that Mary was born or that Jesus was born from a virgin because they didn't believe it. You have to understand, they didn't believe Jesus was the Messiah, let alone didn't believe that he was conceived, that his mom was a virgin. In fact, there was a time when the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees actually called Jesus a bastard child, meaning that he didn't have a father. They didn't even, they didn't even think Joseph was that. They were like, he's got a mystery dad. So whenever Jesus would say, my father in heaven, they're like, wait a minute, you don't even have a daddy, which is also one of the greatest lies of the enemy for our life, okay? And so next week, we're going to dive into the miraculous events surrounding Jesus' life. But what I want you guys to know today and next week is that I believe that when Jesus comes into your life, it's surrounded by supernatural experiences and the miraculous just like it was then. I believe that when Jesus comes to invade our life, it's for all to see just like it was when he came to invade Jerusalem and Israel and God's original chosen people back then. You guys know I love to go back to the beginning. I like to see how did this all start and what the, was the original intent. In regards to the coming Messiah and the Redeemer and the Savior, there are hundreds and hundreds of prophetic, roughly 250 plus prophecies, 350 plus prophecies specifically in regards to Jesus coming that he fulfilled to the T. Over 350 prophecies in the Old Testament about Jesus as the Messiah and the Savior coming 
that he fulfilled everything his life, everything he went through on the cross, fulfilled to a T. But do you know that in regards to Jesus' birth and the events surrounding Jesus' birth, that there are 13 specific, out of all those prophecies, 13 of them pointed directly to the birth of Jesus and the surrounding events. And we're going to talk about one of them today. We're going to talk about one of them. Isaac, King David, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Hosea, and Micah all received those specific prophetic words in the Old Testament. But for today, I want to focus on Joseph and Mary because I believe that we can learn something directly for our lives in our marriages, in our singleness, and in being prepared for God to invade our space and do something supernatural in all of our lives. The birth of Jesus in every aspect was supernatural. There were five dreams alone from Matthew 1 to chapter 3 that helped Jesus not be killed, that gave Joseph the wisdom and the insight of what to do. Joseph received a dream specifically about Jesus' birth and not putting his wife away. The wise men, when they saw the star and came to Jerusalem, first came to King Herod, and Herod wanted to kill Jesus. And so Herod says, go find the Messiah, and when you find him, come back and tell me where he is. When the wise men were on their way back, you know what happened? A dream was given to them to warn them. Shortly after Jesus' birth, Joseph received a dream to take Jesus to eat, to take his family to Egypt. And then he received a dream to come back. And then he received a dream to go to Bethlehem. Five dreams. And that's why I want all of you to know that God's calling you back to the supernatural. You've got to believe in it. In fact, Joseph's name means dreamer. My middle name is Joseph. And I believe that God wants all of you to dream again. Angels, the angel Gabriel, a chorus of angels in the heavens, shining stars, signs and wonders everywhere were happening. And I believe, again, that God wants to do those supernatural things in all of our lives. Please, never discount the supernatural ability of God to orchestrate your life, to position you for what God wants to say and do. Everything had to line up exactly right to fulfill those 13 prophecies in the Old Testament. If God did not divinely intervene through the miraculous, it never would have happened. But if God's people, if Joseph and Mary would have doubted and not believed, they wouldn't have received the promise, right? A third of the Bible came through dreams and visions. You've got to believe and you've got to look. Signs and wonders are everywhere around us. And they're the acts of the Lord. It's a sign from God designed to draw you in to his ways. When Jesus comes into our life and he divinely intervenes, it's for a great purpose. And that great purpose we're reminded of in Luke chapter 2, verse 14. Glory to God in the highest. These are the angels. The choir of heaven appeared to the shepherds in the field that were abiding in the field and tending their sheep, going about their everyday lives, but they were in position. God revealed himself to shepherds in the field supernaturally and declares glory to God in the highest and peace on earth and goodwill towards men. You guys know that I love to treasure hunt scriptures. I love to look at original intent and why God said what he said. And so if right off the bat, the Lord is saying peace on earth and goodwill towards men, I think to myself, do I have peace and do I have goodwill? And what does that mean? So the word peace in the Greek is the word Irene. I've shared that with you because 
You'll remember it. It's a great Greek name. Irene is a great Greek name. Okay? Great Greek restaurant on Alameda called Irene's or Irene. And it's the word for peace in the Greek. This word for peace first means a state of national tranquility. You know what a state of national tranquility means? It means that you've ceased from the rage and the havoc of war. I have, I have total national tranquility, first in my heart, but now in the kingdom and in this church, God's people all over the world should be living in a state of national tranquility because why? He's the prince of peace. He is the prince of peace. And so you have to ask yourself, do I have peace? Because Jesus was coming to bring peace on earth and goodwill towards men. And so God wants you it doesn't mean it's like you think, well, pastor, you don't have national tranquility and you got spiritual warfare everywhere. Mom was in the hospital. I was in the hospital. Kid was sick. Things were stolen. What kind of tranquility is that? Here's what you need to understand. This isn't an external tranquility. Yeah. This is an internal tranquility. War can rage all around me. Yeah. Stuff can get stolen. Sickness, unfortunately, can come sometimes. And I pray and believe that it won't. And I declare the blood of Jesus over you and my family. And I got great faith and I stand that nothing else is going to get stolen. Nothing's going to sick. But when it does, when trouble comes, I have Jesus inside of me. And greater is he that's in me than the world. And Jesus said, you will have trouble, but take heart because I've overcome the world. Right? And so God wants you to have tranquility. He wants you to be exempt. I get to be exempt now. You know why? Because Jesus won. We win. The devil's already defeated. So what he was saying was that Jesus is going to come and destroy the, the enemy. The devil is defeated. He's already under your feet. So he may throw a distraction. He may try to throw something my direction. What he's trying to do is get me distracted and immovable and off the path. But I stand firm, immovable, because I understand faith. I understand God's word, and I know who I am. Yeah. And this isn't unattainable for you. Yeah. I'm not so much higher and mightier than you. This is attainable for every one of you if you'll take hold of the promises of God, get in his word, get your identity in Christ, stay born again, stay spirit-filled, pray in tongues, and stop questioning and doubting everything. Sure, God wants you to question, but you question with discernment. Everybody say, learn, learn. To, discern. to discern. You got to have discernment. You know a tree by its fruit? I can tell if somebody's evil or, or good pretty quickly. I had people come up last week. I had a, a gentleman come up. been visiting him for a while. I've been seeing him. I don't know him. I, don't know his, I didn't know his name. Comes up. He says, listen, I'm a prophet. God's put the spirit of prophecy on my life. I know you don't know me, but I feel like the Lord's got a word. I had to get some discernment in about a whole one second. And I did. And the Lord said, listen to what he has to say. And the man prayed over my life. He said, can I pray for you? I said, absolutely. I'm not untouchable. I don't have to have an army of bodyguards surrounding me. Now I got people watching. I got friends, family. It's a culture. I have people that, I mean, look, I got a couple guys right here. Just try to jump me right now. Just try it. <laughs> Come on, guys. You can laugh in church. Seriously. <laughs> now, I've told these guys, if somebody charges me, let me have Adam first. I mean, seriously. 
I was a I was state champion wrestler. I was the takedown. I mean, headlock, you're going on your back fast. That's my attitude. I'm not going to pound your face in the ground, but I'm going to subdue you. That's what I'm going to do. In love. In Jesus' name. Hold back, guys. Hold back. Hold back. So to have peace means that you're secure. Say secure. secure. It's you're safe. Say safe. safe. Say prosperous. prosperous. And you have felicity. Where we get the name Felicia. I love that. It means that you have concord. Do you know what concord means? You know what concord means? You know I love to teach you guys new words. Concord means that we're mutually benefiting each other at all times and that we're united together, which is where we'll get goodwill. But it means that I now have peace between each other and peace in the kingdom of God. So if Jesus is the head and we're the body and he's the king of kings and the prince of peace, do you think that Jesus' body is full of discord and dysfunction and that because he's not, then we're not? So the true sons of God, the true sons and daughters, the real church, and I'm not going to say you are or you aren't. If you're born again and spirit-filled, People all over the world, the kingdom of God is full of peace, tranquility, concord, and is mutually benefiting each other at all times. That's what the kingdom of God, because he's the prince of peace, or at least that's what it should be. He makes harmony between us, and he keeps things safe and prosperous. It's his peace and salvation. Now, goodwill towards you. Think about goodwill for a moment. Let's keep the scripture up. Goodwill is not just the fact that I have goodwill. That's not what that means. Now, I get what he is. Here's what it means. It means that he has goodwill towards you, okay? It means that he's thinking good things and wants good things for your life. Goodwill means kindly intent. Say kindly intent, okay? I don't know your name. I'm sorry. What's your name? Gabriella. Hi, David. Nice to meet you. So, Gabriella, is this your son? Handsome guy. So here's Gabriella. She's radiant. She's beautiful. She's hungry. And she wants the best for her son. I, as a spiritual father in this house, if she chooses to make this house her home, have goodwill intent for her life, which means I'm benevolent towards you, which means I want the best for you, which means if we come into relationship in this church with this family, that your future should only produce goodwill which means that you should find yourself in a, in a peaceful, restful, longing, prosperous place because that's what it is with the Lord. Does that make sense? So I'm thinking only good things for her. That's all I want for you, for you, for you, for you because that's his heart inside of me. But God wants kindly intent. He wants you and desires for you. And you know some of the greatest definition of the word goodwill? I encourage you to look it up in the Greek. It means pleasure, delight, and satisfaction. And whenever I hear pleasure, delight, and satisfaction, you know where I go? Right back to the garden. It means that God was coming to restore his original intent into your life. Goodwill towards men means that God delights in you, he has pleasure in you, and he, he's satisfied with you. It means that God is coming to bring good will into your life and into your family. And if you don't get the revelation of this, 
then you're going to find yourself doubting, questioning, second-guessing, and living in a place of not believing that God really cares and that he's good for you and that he's good towards you. And that's why I love this scripture, because it's toward men. And that's the way that I live. So in a moment, when you see the, the angel Gabriel prophesying and speaking into Mary's life, that's the way that we speak into other people's lives. And so let's take a moment and we'll look at Mary's life, okay? First, what do we know about Mary? Mary was a direct descendant of King David. She was highly favored in her life, okay? The Lord was with her and she was incredibly blessed. We'll read that in a moment. She was a virgin and engaged. She was a teenager. And that's not uncommon. That was part of the culture of the time. About 14 roughly is what they estimate. That was the norm for that culture of that day. So she was very young. She was a real person with real emotions and had very real questions in her life, even presenting a question to the angel. She was directly visited in person. This was not a vision. She was directly visited in person by the angel Gabriel and given the specific how and why of what was about to happen. And I believe that as sons and daughters, we can have apocrypha, which is understanding the mysteries and the hidden secrets of the kingdom of God. I've teached that a lot because I believe as sons and daughters, you should be getting direct revelation of what the Lord is saying and doing. But that direct revelation has got to line up with God's word in every way, his written word, okay? And so she would get some incredible mysteries and revelation about her life. There are a lot of things that I don't know the how or the why, but I seek the Lord continually because I know the Bible says, seek and you will find. Ask and you will receive. Knock and you will. So again, I learned the patterns of, the, of God's word and and grounded biblical understandings, but then I apply them spiritually. God, what's happening? What are you saying? What are you doing? More often than not, what God's looking from, from you for from you is your response when things don't go the way you think they should. So instead of doubting and questioning and tanking, now you're trusting. When the devil comes to put a notch in his belt against your life, the Lord comes and gives you a greater victory that defeats him even more. So in a moment, it may seem like he won the, the battle, but in the end, he doesn't win the war. And I already know that because I know what the end of my Bible says. I know that the enemy's defeated. And so I may not fully understand, but instead of tanking in despair, I trust him mightily. And that's what Mary would do. She not only believed God, but she actually came into prophetic alignment with him by declaring verbally, let it be according to God's word. We're going to read that. But I'm setting it up so when you read it, you're going to understand it. Let it be according to God's word. She could have said, let me pray about it. She could have said, I'll get back with you tomorrow. That's pretty crazy. I need some time. Right? She could have been like Gideon and says, well, really, I mean, if God is doing that, then where's he at? But instead, she believed and she trusted. And then she came into covenant by speaking, let it be. Let's everybody say, let it be. According to his word. And that's you verbally giving an assent to what God has said, and that's what she would do. Let's read the story, Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 35. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. 
Blessed are you among women. I love that because here's a young girl about 14 years old. The angel comes. She may not have fully believed it for herself. And how many prophetic words and promises might the Lord speak over your life that you don't always know or believe or fully trust, but she would. My greater point is, is when I see you and if I don't know you, like this young mom over here, whenever I see you, if I catch you anywhere, you ever spend any time with me or my leaders, the culture of this church is to speak life into who you are and what we see, not tear you down for your failures, shortcomings, and mistakes and beat you over the head with a Bible. You've got to have perfect telescopic vision from the Lord, and that makes you prophetic. Hey, you're going through a hard time. Listen, the Lord loves you so much. You know what I see in you? And I'll have empathy, and I may cry and weep. I'm so sorry for what you're going through, but you know what I know? God is good. And I know the Lord, and I start to speak life and prophetic promises because peace on earth and goodwill towards men. And that's what the angel was doing with Mary. But when she saw him, she was like maybe what most of us would be, troubled and afraid. I mean, seriously, think about it. I've never had the experience where an angel has actually appeared to me in front of me and talked to me, ever. I have had experiences in dreams where I've seen angels. I have seen angels two times in dreams. I remember it so vividly. I can tell you what they look like. I mean, it was like it happened yesterday twice. I've seen angels in dreams. I sometimes sense that angels might be around, but there are people in the Bible that had prophetic gifts as seers and prophets to actually discern what was going on around the atmosphere. And there are people that can be wired to see prophetically as seers and prophets that can say, and this happens to me all the time. So man, while you were preaching today, pastor, I just saw a 10 foot tall angel right next to you. Or man, when I was in the middle of worship, I was caught up and I could see angels. You know, Jesus saw angels ascending and descending. And when those people come up to me, can you imagine I said, man, you are cuckoo. You know where Memorial Hospital is? Because you need to maybe go check in over there. You imagine if I, now trust me, when somebody comes up to prophesy or tell me they see something, I'm right away turning on my discerner. And I am making sure it lines up with God's word. But the last thing I'm doing is, man, you are cuckoo. You see angels and they're, There was a lion walking around. Oh, man. We tend to be so apathetic, and we tend to question things from a place of not trusting and believing like a child, but rather doubting and discouraging. Why can't we fuel the fire in our children to see in the spirit? If they're seeing the boogeyman and monsters, you know, my it's just inevitable. My daughter's been like, oh, monster, a monster. She catches it from Disney Channel on occasion. As much as we've tried, she's at school around other kids. They just get fascinated with an evil enemy and run and hide. Ah, monster, monster daddy. And sometimes I'm like, ah, I'm going to get you. And we're at, but when she really does, every now and then I throw him, by the way, you know, there's no such thing as monsters, but there's demons and the devil's already defeated. And I say it just like that. And she doesn't always catch it. But if I'm repetitive in it, she's going to understand. And it's like a ghost, a ghost. And I say out loud, ask my wife. There's only one ghost, baby. There's only one ghost, the Holy Ghost. Everything else is demonic. Now, I'm not being weird going in a long diatribe, open up your Bible, cast the devil out. I'm not being weird about it. I'm just like, there's one Holy Ghost. Shakarabaka, let's roll, baby. And then, but, you know, it's not like I'm being oppressive and, and, and weird about it. I'm just reminding her, hey, we may have a little fun with that, 
but there's only one ghost, and everything else is the dark side. Let's have some fun. And I say it so matter-of-factly and naturally that she's going to grow up understanding that, right? And so she was troubled, and she was afraid. What I want to do is position you to not be troubled or afraid. This is a supernatural experience that she was having. And I believe God wants to do this supernatural experience in your life. So what do I do? I set you up. I tell you about it. I teach you about it. So that when God comes to invade your space, you're not so freaked out, doubting and questioning, but you're positioned and ready. You know how many times in my life, lately, I'm saying, man, Lord, I'm just, I know you're coming. I know you're going to do something great. And he already is, but I know he's going to do more. And I believe he's going to do something exceedingly above. And so what I do is I'm always waiting, watching, expecting... And I don't know what I'm going to do if something like this happens. And I don't know that it'll ever happen. But if it does happen, I'll probably fall on my face, cry, weep. Those are some normal responses. But what I don't want to do is doubt, question. Be, and now, when an angel of light, even the Bible says that Satan can appear as an angel of light. So you better discern what's the message. You better know the message, everybody, so you don't get deceived. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. Okay. And so I want to be positioned for the supernatural whenever God wants to reveal it in my life. Don't you? And so the angel says, don't be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. And behold, you're going to conceive in your womb and bring forth a son. And you'll call his name Jesus. He's going to be great. He'll be called the son of the highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his, Dave, his father David. And he'll reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. That's an awesome word. And I love Mary's response. Mary's response is, how in the world can this be? How in the world can this be? And the angel, and especially since I'm a virgin, how can this be since I don't know anybody? How's this going to happen? How am I going to conceive a son when I don't even know a man and I've never slept with anyone? And the angel answered and said to her, this is what's going to happen. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also, the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. And this is Mary's response in verse 38. She said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be according to your word. And the angel departed. There's got to be a covenant alignment and a verbal assent and a confession that says, God, and I say it all the time. I take this scripture all the time. God, let it be according to your word. Your word will not return to you void. Your promises are yes and amen. Whenever I'm going through hard times, I'm declaring. When I pray over my children at night, my prayers are a lot more like a declaration. I, com I plead the blood of Jesus over you, and I command you to be healthy and whole all the days of your life. That's kind of how my prayer goes. Jesus, in Jesus' name, shakarabaka. I put my hand on his head. Be healed in Jesus' name. Great dreams and visions. Have a great night. And then I walk out of the room. That's kind of how my prayers go. Okay. I'm prophesying and declaring over my children. That's how God wants you to live, and you can do that yourself. There's so many fascinating points. I want to pull out one little thing from verse 35. Mary says, how's it going to happen? And I believe that this is something that applies to your life. First of all, the Holy Spirit comes upon you. When you get born again, the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you have a supernatural experience. As much as I can try to explain to you logically what being born again means, and I can. I got some great Bible backup, and I can try to explain it to you logically. Let's make sure you all remember that when I say the God of the universe is going to come live inside of you, if you're born again and a Christian, that's normal. But if you don't know Jesus, that's pretty weird. 
And I can try to explain it to you logically, but at the end of the day, it's supernatural. That's why our faith and our belief system is experience-based, not logic-based. And if you don't come back into experiences with the Lord, you're not going to get established. Romans 1.11 is, I've taught it a lot. I love to remind you. In Romans 1.11, Paul's like, I can't wait to visit you because I want to impart a spiritual gift to you so that you'd be established. Yeah. Know that scripture. Read it a thousand times. Romans 1.1.1. You can remember 1.1.1. And the, the point is, is when you have experiences, it establishes you. And to be established means that you stand firm, I'm immovable, and I'm unshakable at all times. Got that? Yeah. And so what does it mean for the Holy Spirit to come upon you? To come upon you. It means that he's arrived. It's a Kairos moment. It means God wants to invade your space fully, and he wants to come and take his divine nature and overcome your human nature. That's what it means for the Holy Spirit to come upon you. The word power is the word dynamite, dunamis. And this word has a lot of meaning. It's miracle working power. It's supernatural working power. It's authority to make something happen. Healing, signs, wonders, miracles, jurisdiction over this earth, all ties together with that. But one of the things that I really like is that God gives you the strength and the ability, and he gives you the supernatural ability to live morally. That's one of the things that dunamis means, is it's going to now make me more like him, and it's going to bring my soul into alignment with him. It means that all the power and riches that produces influence, I get. So think of somebody that doesn't know Jesus, that's a multimillionaire, flies into Port A on their helicopter, owns a ton of houses, is super rich, can do whatever he wants at any time with his money, has anything that he wants, and how many people in this world want to be his friend? And with what he has, he's got some worldly delegated influence to affect change because of his money and his power and his status. Now, think about the Holy Spirit doing that in your life and that you get the same rest and tranquility and authority that a victorious army gets. And now everything that he has and all of his influence, I now have. That's what the word power means. And overshadow is the silver lining in the cloud. It means to have a shining cloud that casts a shadow over you that produces rain. It's like a rain cloud. Have you ever been out on a nice sunny day and here comes a shower across the bay and you can see the cloud, you can see the, the rain in that one little spot and it moves right at you. And right before the rain hits you, the cloud first comes and overshadows you, blocks out the sun, but the silver lining is around the cloud and then it rains. That's the understanding of being overshadowed by the Holy Spirit. It's supernatural, it's powerful, and it transforms your life, and it's not of this world. It's beyond your logical thinking, and that is what the Holy Spirit does. He brings supernatural rain, envelops you in his presence, abiding under the shadow of the Almighty is the same understanding that I'm constantly living under a rain cloud of his presence, and his glory is being revealed in my life. It's a supernatural experience, everybody, and I'll leave you with this, and then we're going to pray. Let's take a fast look at Joseph's life. Matthew 1, 18 through 23. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. Let's just talk what a just man is. 
And what I want you to understand is that Mary had favor and was blessed among women when, the, when Gabriel came. Now here comes an angel of the Lord in a dream to Joseph, but Joseph was first a just man. And a just man is the understanding that you're upright, you're righteous, you're virtuous, you observe the divine laws of God, and you're fully conformed to the will of God, and that you're approved and accepted. He was morally upright. And because he was morally upright, when he finds out that Mary's pregnant, instead of fronting her out and making a public display to defend and protect himself, what does he do? He had secretly minded to put her away quietly. And that's why I don't, you know how much stuff I know about so many people in this room right now? Even if I've never talked, the Holy Spirit shows me things. But there's people that I've talked with that I have a very real insight and revelation and a lot of dysfunction in a lot of people's lives. And you know what I never do? I don't want to front you out. The last thing I want to do is make a spectacle of you. And when I know those things, I'm constantly speaking life, promise, because I want to be a just man. I want to be a just man in my wife and my children. Why? Because what, you know what I know just happens when you're a just man or woman? You're positioned for an invasion. And Joseph was about to get invaded because he was already a just man. And I love that. And so it says that he was going to put her out. And while I was thinking, verse 20, these things, behold, an angel Lord appeared to him. How? Now think about this. How many ways could the Lord have appeared to him? He could have sent a prophet. He could have appeared in the, in the natural like Gabriel. Gabriel could have been sent to him, but instead he got a dream. Joseph means dreamer. Third of the Bible comes through dreams and visions. You need to start dreaming again, and you need to pay attention to your dreams. Lay off the pills. Lay off the, the, the anything, the pizza right before you go to bed. Stop flipping through your Facebook all the time right before you go to bed. Meditate on God's word so that you can be positioned. Now, of course, you need to hear him more even in the day than you do at night. The daytime when you're awake, of course. But David said, while I'm asleep, my heart is awake. So that God could breathe upon him at night. So you could hear a dream and see a, a vision, right? And so he says, don't be afraid. Take, your Mary, your, take Mary as your wife. That which is conceived of the Holy Spirit, she's going to bring forth the Son. You're going to call him Jesus, and he's going to save his people of their sins. Jesus means God is coming to rescue and deliver, and Jehovah is salvation. Same name as Joshua in the Old Testament. And that he would come to save. The word save is the word sozo. It means he's going to rescue you, deliver you, and make you whole. That's sozo. Salvation is holistic. So first he rescues you, then he defends you, and then he makes you into something great. And Joseph would get the why of what God wanted to do when the angel of the Lord said to him in a dream, he's going to save the people from their sins. And then finally, Verse 22, all this was done to fulfill that which was spoken through the Lord, by the Lord, by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and they'll call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. And I love that because Emmanuel, God with us, is so important for you to understand. All of everything I just read and what, G, what, the, what God the Father did in the birth of Jesus, was to fulfill prophetic words and promises that were prophesied hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of year prior, years prior to solidify that God's word is true. 
but also to now put us to a place where we call him. He shall be called Emmanuel, which means he's no longer God's far from me, which means I'm no longer an orphan. Everybody here either is or was once an orphan. If you're not born again, you're orphaned. You don't have him as your daddy. He's waiting for you and he wants to be your daddy. But we call him Emmanuel, God with us, because he, may, he was once not with us. It doesn't mean that he didn't pursue and that he didn't care and that he didn't reveal because God did that to me. He pursued and revealed, but he wasn't fully with me. Only those that say yes by faith to accept him does God come and fully invade because Mary said yes and came into alignment by saying, let it be. Let's all say it. Let it be be. according to his word. He is Emmanuel. He's God with you, not far from you. It means that he walks through the valley of the shadow of death with you in all of your darkest hours, and he cares for you. Amen. Let's all stand. You have been listening to a message from David Bindet, Senior Pastor of Rock City Church in beautiful Corpus Christi, Texas. David's prayer is for a deeper understanding of God's love and purpose for your life, and that all of us would grow into a greater awareness of our identity in Christ. Thank you for listening, and until next time, stay fired up!